0: Okay, so every blessing to you all and welcome back to another open air video. A somewhat cold day. In fact, it's three degrees Celsius as of standing here this morning. It is the last day of April, 2016. And the reason why I say that is because there are people that are still claiming that the rapture is imminent, that the rapture is going to occur today. Well, let's see. As far as I'm concerned, we don't know when the rapture is going to occur. So such talk is foolishness. But of course, you know that we are living in a generation today where preachers are very much attention seekers. They very much like the sound of their own voices. And I remember returning from a working holiday some years ago, and there was a chap on my plane, about three or four seats behind me, who was sitting between a couple. And I guess he must have been up in his 50s. And he had a very loud voice, and he was telling this couple how he'd been to many churches and cathedrals, how he liked his food and his wine, and by the way, he said, I'm also a lay preacher, and my ears pricked up when I heard that, and I thought, please preach the gospel to this couple, you've got the entire plane listening. His voice would thunder, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited for this so-called lay preacher to share the gospel and of course you know he didn't share the gospel and that was a four and a half hour flight back to the uk and uh, there was a couple sitting behind me an elderly couple (laughs) and i can still remember the man's face he looked absolutely dejected he had his fingers in his ears because this man wouldn't stop talking and this is the reality of today's generation that many preachers like to talk like the sound of their own voices so I'm not overly surprised when I come across some of these uh, attention seekers these uh, individuals who like to talk who like the sound of their own voices but you know about that account of the boy who cried wolf of course you do and uh, he would cry wolf and people would run panic and of course it was a false alarm and after two or three false alarms one day the wolf did come And he cried wolf, and it was too late. Too little, too late. And I think we are living in a generation now where the rapture will be uh, attacked more and more. And it will be ridiculed, it will be undermined. And one day the rapture will come. And uh, certain people will give up hope. So don't allow yourself to be uh, tossed to and fro. Don't allow yourself to lose hope. Don't be listening to people who are continuing to date set on top of that if the rapture doesn't come today and I don't think it will we are still being told by certain groups of people that the Antichrist will arrive next month well if the Antichrist is going to arrive next month where is the false prophet on top of that where are the two witnesses you see the Antichrist works hand in hand with the false prophet they are the terrible two On top of that, you've got the two witnesses which arrive and the Antichrist kills them. Now, as far as I know the two witnesses haven't yet arrived and I have my ear to the ground. I am alert. I am conscious of what's going on all around me. And uh, as of today, April the 30th, 2016, the two witnesses are nowhere to be seen. On top of that, where is the false prophet? And people are saying, well, is going to be the false prophet. Uh, People are saying, uh, Francis, the Pope, is going to be the false prophet. I've heard this all before. I heard it with Bill Clinton back in the late 1990s. I heard it concerning John Paul II. On top of that, the Antichrist, as far as I can uh, glean from Scripture, will be an almost replica of the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, how can Pope Francis be the Antichrist. He's, what, 74, 75? On top of that, we are told by Vatican watchers that he's probably going to retire in July and go back to Argentina. No, no, the Antichrist will be a young man. He has to be. He'll be in his 30s. He will be very slick, smooth, sophisticated. He will be a very good-looking man. Women will love him. Men will envy him. So I don't think this old bachelor boy in Rome going to be the antichrist as far as obama is concerned what is he 50 51 52 or thereabouts he's too old on top of that he'll be out of office by november mark my words so all this talk (coughs) about the pope being the antichrist or obama being the antichrist i think is delusional thinking yes obama is a type of the antichrist and yes the pope is a type of the antichrist but neither of those individuals are the antichrist so please step back from all this talk of the raptor coming this month coming today and all this talk about the antichrist's arrival next month such preachers are uh scaremongers attention seekers exhibitionists on top of that they are very much in the camp of the vatican they are i think probably uh being supported by the Jesuits. And on top of that, they also are in the conditional security camp. But uh, for those of us which have teaching ministries, let me just say this, please, if I may, that what we teach does impact people's lives. People do listen to what we preach. Look at Jim Jones. I know he was an extreme individual, a false teacher like David crash but Jim Jones uh, resulted his teachings resulted in the death the mass suicide of around 900 people david kresh in waco texas his teachings resulted in the death of many people and i remember working with a woman years ago before i was saved who had been at kresh's uh retreat at his compound and she was very fortunate to escape i remember a friend telling me Some years ago that uh, a particular youtuber had been uh, producing videos and my friend was watching these videos on youtube and i remember this youtuber and uh, this friend of mine was saying that this particular youtuber was having a change of mind was changing their view on many important subjects so much so that it caused my friend to stumble That's a sad thing to have to report because those of us which have teacher ministries, as I say, do make a difference. We are impacting on people's lives. People are listening to what we preach. And that's why I said last week that we shouldn't be putting our lives on hold. Look at Miller and his crowd of SDA followers. Jim Jones, 900 people, or thereabouts, died as a result of that false teacher. David Kress, Waco, Texas, many people died as a result of his teachings. The witnesses, as I say, back in the 70s, were teaching that Armageddon was imminent and therefore you shouldn't get married or if you were married, don't have children. Such dangerous, reckless teaching. But the other big news this month, and I'll get uh, to my message very shortly, is the death of Peter S. Ruckman, a great man of God, a great defender of the King James Bible, And uh, he passed away this month at the age of 94. And uh, Patrick and I had a lot of respect for Brother Upman. Not only was he a great King James, Bible believer, but he was also a great teacher of the Word of God. On top of that, he was a street preacher. In fact, I think it was up until last year, he was still street preaching. So if he could be street preaching at 93, almost blind as well, why can't you... And yes, Brother Rutman was very controversial. He was very much like Marmite, which if you don't live in the UK, you may not have heard of, but Marmite is somewhat bitter on its own. But when you put it with uh, butter, when you put it on toast or in your sandwich, it is delicious. And I like Marmite and I liked Rutman. So you either like him or loathe him, but he's now with the Lord. And he took a defense, he took a stand when it came to all these Bible versions. And if you are a King James Bible believer, you are heavily indebted to him. And You may say to him, well, James, I didn't like his views on this. Well, neither did I. Or well, James, I wasn't particularly happy about his position on that. Well, neither was I. But nevertheless, he took a stand on the Word of God. And if you are a King James Bible believer, you have benefited from his ministry. And therefore, you were told, were you not, in uh, Romans 13, Verse 7, render therefore to all their Jews tribute to whom tribute is due custom to whom custom fear to whom fear honour to whom honour give the man respect as I say, if somebody has been able to impact your life if somebody has been able to make a great difference if somebody has been able to step in their gap when nobody else was doing so you should give that person respect and I have no Qualms, as I'm standing here this morning, to give him respect. You won't agree with everybody 100%. I've been saved 14 years, and I don't think there are any preachers, alive or dead, that I could say to you that I am in total agreement with. And I don't think there are many of my counterparts that would be completely in agreement with what I stand for either. But uh, Patrick and I did have the good pleasure of speaking to Brother Upman. Patrick spoke to him in 2004 on the phone and uh, it was rather uh, interesting because around that time George Bush arrived in the UK to uh, meet Tony Blair and uh, Patrick had the news on and he thought I'm going to phone Brother Upman up (laughs) and he got the phone out and he rang him up and he said "Uh, your president's just arrived in the UK and he said to Patrick tell him to get out of Iraq still remember those words and uh, they had a Maybe four or five minute chat and uh, Patrick was explaining the ministry that we have to Brother Ruttman and he was thanking him for his defence of the AV so on and so forth. And uh, it was an interesting conversation. Maybe a year or two later I phoned him up and I was thinking around 2005, 2006 of maybe going to America to study. I wasn't sure really what to do uh, with myself and uh, I phoned him up. And I said to him that uh, I was pondering the thought of going to America to study the Word of God and he said to me, "We'd love to have you here in Pensacola." Um, and I said to him, "What do you offer your uh, students of scripture?" And he said, "Well we offer evening uh, courses. I think for memory it was something like 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. or thereabouts. And I said to him, "Can people live on?" Campus and he said no, we haven't got that facility. You know, you need to find somewhere local to live Anyway, I discussed it with him for a few minutes And I think he sent me his prospectus as to what they offered and I remember the fees were almost zero. I Think he was pretty much charging nothing to study at his Institute Unlike other institutes other like unlike other colleges that I had come into contact with You know, I thought about it prayed about it. and I thought no, I won't go down that path I don't want to uh, go down that route but he was very gracious to me i was able to speak to him about some other issues and i thought uh, what a great impact he's had on many men and women over the years so we salute him and we've also written about brother upman for our newsletter or i should say he's in our newsletter which went out yesterday so and give them man respect and I'll say this to you that you may say to me well James he was very divisive he was very controversial well at least you knew where you stood with him unlike some of these preachers today who think nothing of correcting your Bible who think nothing of attacking some of the doctrines found in scripture uh, I personally would choose Ruttman over MacArthur any day of the week MacArthur denies the blood of Christ. I would choose Ruttman over Smith any day of the week. Smith taught, you could lose your salvation. I would choose Ruttman over Prash any day of the week. Prash thinks tongues are still for the day. We don't have to agree with everyone on every point. You'll read in Acts of the Apostles of an account where Paul and Barnabas got into a dispute and it says the dispute was so sharp the contention was so deep that they split Paul went one way and Barnabas went another so don't be so thin-skinned don't be so easily upset due to Rutman's crude rude and abrasive manner he was a real man's man sometimes when you come across real men's men real men are God you're gonna be somewhat uh, surprised. But anyway, just wanted to spend a few moments discussing uh, my thoughts on Ruttman's uh, departure, his abode with the Lord. And interestingly also, I should say that on the same day that he died, a man called Prince died, a pop star. And I've seen some of the brethren on Facebook changing their profile pictures to reflect the death of Prince. How bizarre. I mean, a real prince dies called Ratman, and that account from Luke sixteen comes to mind. And he goes into Abraham's bosom, and he's rejoicing. And that rich man dies being prince, and he goes into hell, and he lifts up and he says how he lifts up his eyes being in torments. Now, Prince, the pop star, was a JW. He was what you call a no heller. Prince produced music, which God hates. And I think to myself, Prince as a no heller, Prince as a Jehovah's Witness, Prince as a Sodomite, Prince, according to one press report this morning, died of AIDS, was part of a congregation of JWs in Minnesota, in America. I think to myself, I wonder if those good old JWs, those good old no hellers, knew what Prince stood for. Did they ever listen to his music? I wonder. But they both die, Ruttman and Prince, on the same day. One goes into the ground, Luke 16, and is in torment. One goes into Abraham's bosom, paradise, which is now up in the sky, third heaven. Ruttman is rejoicing. Well done, our good and faithful servant. Whereas Prince is in torments, in a flame of fire. And I don't take any pleasure saying that, but it's the truth. And therefore, why are Christians changing their profile pictures to somehow celebrate? this great man. I was never a Prince fan. I knew of him, of course. And you've lost three generations now. You've lost three so-called pop stars in the last few years. Michael Jackson, the so-called king of pop. Prince, the so-called prince of pop. And Whitney Houston, the so-called diva of pop. In fact, I was listening to an account concerning Whitney Houston, just very briefly. And it says that before she died, she was reading Matthew, uh, Matthew 24 with one of her aides. She professed to be born again, unlike Prince, unlike Michael Jackson. In fact, Michael Jackson also came from a, J, a JW background. I think Michael Jackson's parents were Jehovah's Witnesses. And yet one account I heard that Jackson had converted to the Nation of Islam shortly before his death, who knows? But Jackson came from a JW background, Prince was a JW, still active, Up until quite recently still raising money for the jw's and still going door to door for the jw's and yet at the same time bizarrely living a lifestyle which god hates you were told to separate from the world you were told not to love the world you were told that friendship with the world is enmity with god in fact you are called you are called an adulterer and an adulteress if you love the world so we're living strange times why christians would be somehow celebrating prince's lifestyle i have no idea but two people die on the same day one goes up, one goes down and one day we will meet Father Ruttman in heaven so as you know I am going through Acts of the Apostles and uh, last Sunday I was able to finish Acts chapter 19 and tomorrow Lord willing I will commence Acts chapter 20 so as always if you want to enjoy a good Bible study Visit our website, xcatholicsofchrist.com, and click on the live sermon link. And if you watch this video on YouTube, I'll put the link in the description box. Join us, uh, study with us. But what I want to do is continue to review some of the chapters which I've been able to examine over the past 11 months now. In fact, this uh, May being. Uh, Tomorrow will be month number 11. please excuse this helicopter flying over me. Uh, Month number 11. And I'm still wondering if it's possible to uh, conclude Acts by the end of June. We will see. But uh, let's take a look at some key verses from Acts 16 acts 17 and acts chapter 18 it's bitterly cold as i'm standing here in fact it was snowing yesterday been the coldest april for a long time so if the rapture comes uh today praise the lord i'm ready for it and don't get me wrong listen i'm not making fun of the rapture i've been saved 14 years i'm ready for the rapture okay and sometimes when we hit rock bottom we plead with the lord to take us home to be with him So i'm ready for the rapture but i don't like people date setting it i don't like people saying it's going to come today or tomorrow next week and when you teach it as doctrine it becomes heresy so live your life as if it's the last day do what you can for him and if you want to be happy holy and healthy read the word of god each and every day but let's look at acts 16 verse 16 please and it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us, and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Here you got Dr. Luke giving his accounts of how the early church operated and functioned, and they come across a girl, a damsel, a young woman, With a spirit of divination she's got a python somehow affiliated to her she's somehow involved with a python a snake and snakes are filthy reptiles and it's somewhat macabre when you come across people that somehow play with snakes somehow entertain snakes there's something eerie about snakes (laughs) And it says how they came across this young woman with a spirit of divination and how she brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. She's a clairvoyant, she's a medium. And there's a lot of money in that racket. And it goes on saying in 17, how the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God. That term, the Most High God, is very Old Testament. You see, these spirits have been around a long time. Satan has been around for a long time. And it says how these men are the servants of the Most High God, which is true, and how they show unto us the way of salvation. That is also true. And you would have thought that an unclean spirit would be a lying spirit. That's not always the case. There's an account in the Gospels when the Lord comes across an unclean spirit in a person, and this unclean spirit says to the Lord, "Uh, we know who you are. You are the Holy One. You are the Son of God. Have you come to torment us before the time? They knew who he was. If you're born again, they know who you are as well. You won't find any unclean spirits in the Word of God that was an atheist or that denied the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ look at 18 and this did she many days but Paul being grieved turned and said to the spirit I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her and he came out the same hour this happened for many days you think to yourself why did Paul put up with it for so long Paul speaks to the spirit not the girl and the spirit is masculine it says how he was grieved I bet he was And he says to the spirit, I command thee, in the name of Jesus Christ. There's power, there's authority in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he, the unclean spirit, referred to in the masculine, came out the same hour. Let me say this to you very quickly, that there is a a, a great difference between the Gospels and the Epistles. There's a great difference between Acts of the Apostles, which is just that, Acts of the Apostles, not people like you and i compared to the epistles you were never told in the epistles to cast out unclean spirits you were never commissioned in the word of god to write the word of god and on top of that you were never an eyewitness of the lord jesus christ so when you read Acts of the apostles when you read the gospels when you come across such events you are very much mindful or you should be that the Apostles were in a certain category of a unique special group of people <coughs> excuse me <clears throat> so if you think you can cast out spirits today be very careful because those spirits might come into you but i am fascinated with this account of a certain damp a young lady possessed indwelt with a spirit, of divination who's making a lot of merchandise for her masters as people do in organised religion and it says one more time from 17, the same followed us sometimes unclean spirits do follow you I've had some very bizarre accounts over the years since I've been saved of people following us we had an incident some years ago we got uh, the train to Where was it now Huddersfield from Manchester and a guy followed us he followed us on the train from Manchester to Huddersfield and when we finished the outreach in Huddersfield we got the train back to Manchester he got back on the train and followed us very bizarre and uh, I couldn't believe it Alistair Patrick that guy has been following us all day and the train stopped at our town and he was sitting on a bench, watching us get off the train. Now ask yourself this, how could that be possible? There were, I think, six carriages, and the train just happened to pull up right where he was sitting, watching us get off the train. And I marched over to him, and I said to him, why are you following us? Who are you? And I thought to myself, this man is obviously an unclean spirit, Or maybe he's been sent to follow us. I don't know. That was a strange day. And he said to me, I haven't been following you. And I said to him, you've been to Huddersfield, haven't you? And he said, yes. And I said, so have we. And I said, we just come back from Huddersfield. (coughs) And you were on the same train as we were, sitting right behind us. And we got off a few stops after (coughs) to see if this guy was friend or foe. My spirit told me he was foe, he was a foe. And we got on another train, which took us to our town. And as the train pulled in, you were sitting right in front of us. And he said to me, uh, you know, I don't know what you're talking about, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said to Patrick, that guy's been following us all day, an unclean spirit. So I'm not surprised that this unclean spirit has been following Paul <coughs> and Dr. Luke, and co. And after a while, Paul snaps, like I did with this guy, and I challenged him, and he denied that he'd been following us, but I knew better, as did Patrick. You see, Paul had the authority, as an apostle, to cast out this spirit from this girl. I don't have that authority, and neither do you. And ask yourself this. Some people don't want to have spirits cast out of them. I mean, do you, you, know, you ever think about that? People say, I'm going to cast out spirits out of this man or that woman. But some people don't want to have spirits cast out of them. Like Prince, for example. He was very happy to have spirits in him. Those spirits were able to drive him to be so successful, to leave millions of dollars. In fact, many of Hollywood's finest actors, and I say that in a, inverted a commas, finest. But some of those top actors have been able to make money as a result of unclean spirits they are somehow powered by such spirits much like hollywood was back in the 1930s and 40s but paul snaps and paul as an apostle is able to cast the unclean spirit out of this young lady and it says how he came out the same hour jump over please to verse 25 as a result of paul casting out this devil from this young girl. There's been a bit of a backlash. He's been detained and it says in verse 25, and at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. You were told to let your light so shine before men. You were told to be in season and out of season Uh, when it comes to sharing the gospel. You were told to be ready to give a defence of the faith that lies within you. In other words, if you are a saved man or woman, you are never off-duty. And that's why it's always good to carry tracks with you. I've got tracks in my pocket, in case anybody stops to talk, or you feel the urge to share the gospel with others, you should do so. And he got Paul and Silas, around midnight, singing praises unto the Lord, and the prisoners heard them. But no mention of Dr. Luke. Interesting. 26, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed, including the prisoners as well. This will be the second account in Acts of the Apostles when the Lord stepped in to the situation that uh, was being witnessed by his apostles to rescue them. He rescued Peter back in Acts 10 and he's gonna rescue Paul. Supernatural, of course. You can't say this was a fluke or this just happened by chance. No, this is the Lord's intervention. Let's read on, 27. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. To lose a prisoner on your your watch almost certainly would result in you being put to death. So I think to myself this, I think the prisoners have been set free, and yet, I'll explain that in a minute, but before they've been set free, you've got Paul and Silas around midnight, singing and praising the Lord. All the prisoners have heard this. The Philippian jailer has heard that, and yet he's gone to sleep. So seeds have been planted, if you will, and I'll further elaborate on that, 28. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here, including the prisoners. Now just imagine this for a moment. You've got hardened criminals, perhaps murderers, perhaps rapists, perhaps uh, petty criminals. And the Lord has sent an earthquake. The walls have come down, literally. The shackles have come off their uh, feet and hands. And Paul says, we are all here, including the prisoners. That's remarkable. No one's gone anywhere. And of course, you know that even Houdini couldn't have got out of that little situation. And yet God, in his grace, steps in and sets them free. But they don't scarper, which you would have thought they would do. 29, then he called for light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Sirs, not Paul. He doesn't address just Paul. He says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul doesn't say to him, hold on, let me get St. Peter, the first pope of Rome, let him come and uh, explain the plan of salvation to you. Paul doesn't say to the jailer, uh, we're going to lay hands on you. Paul doesn't say to the jailer, we're going to uh, explain the five points of Calvinism to you. He doesn't say to the jailer to be circumcised. He doesn't say to the jailer, start tithing or join a local church. He says in verse 31, and they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Now, did you get that? You were told to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, which means to trust in him, which means to receive him as your own saviour. There are no works involved whatsoever when it comes to your salvation. Now, if you get that, if you believe that, if you act on that, You will never fall nor stumble. And people say, how about that verse over in Philippians chapter 2, where you were told in verse 12, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And they stop there. And they say you have to work out your salvation. With fear and trembling but you know that you can't save yourself so when it says back in acts two to save yourselves from this untoward generation you know that it's simply meaning to appropriate the atonement to apply the appro- uh, to appropriate the atonement to apply the atonement to your account and he goes on to say in verse 13 which people rarely read For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And if you look at chapter 1, verse 6 of the same epistle, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Did you get that? Being confident, being assured of this very thing, that he god which hath begun a good work that's your atonement that's your salvation will perform it will bring it to conclusion unto the day of jesus christ so god not man saves you god not man gets you saved and god not man keeps you saved so if i was to further elaborate on the whole Subjects of appropriating the atonement, I would say this very briefly, and I'll get back to Acts 16, that you have to personally appropriate the atonement, which means this, that if I was to give you 20 pounds, that 20 pounds won't benefit you until you withdraw it from your account and spend it. Therefore, the blood of Christ won't benefit you until you appropriate it, until you receive it, and then apply it to your account. So, yes, you are saved by faith. Never forget that. Don't allow anybody to question that. And to make your calling and to work out your salvation with fear and trembling would simply mean to make your calling and election sure, to appropriate the atonement. So Acts 16, the latter part of 31, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And people say this term, thy house, is concerning infants being saved. No, those that are old enough to comprehend the gospel are going to be saved. And that's further explained as we read on, 32. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord. And to all that were in his house, probably his wife, probably his children, that were old enough to know right from wrong and maybe servants possibly he may not have had money for servants but perhaps extended members of his family 33 and he took them the same out of the night and what their stripes and was baptized he in all his straight way there's no delay there and yet most churches will make you wait six months before they baptize you and yet here The Philippian jailer and his household have been baptised. This is a great event. Not only has the jailer been saved, but so has his entire household. And yet, the sad reality would be that the uh, prisoners were not saved. Just one man and his family, which kind of pictures today's generation, doesn't it? How very few are going to be saved. 34, and when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. All of his house believed, got saved by receiving an imputed righteousness, and were then baptized. That's the correct order. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you trust in his death, burial, and resurrection, and then you are baptized by total immersion if you can. The latter does not save you, And I've made the case from Mark 16, he that believeth and is baptised shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. There's no reference to the baptism, damning you or saving you. No, you're saved by believing, and then you are baptised as a result of being saved, and you are damned by not believing. Acts 17, look at 22, please. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, You men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. What a way to open a witness account. And sometimes Christians, sometimes street preachers like myself, like the late Brother Upman, are criticised for being somewhat abrasive, being somewhat assertive, But you see the truth is that we as christians can be at times uh on the defensive but eventually we've got to go on the offensive sometimes we have to get up close and personal sometimes we have to get our hands dirty and sometimes we have to look people in the face and say you are going to burn without christ it's not popular to do that and most people today say just love people just be gentle Don't be so critical, don't be so judgmental, and yet the Lord Jesus Christ referred to the Pharisees as snakes, vipers. He would refer to the apostate Jews as of their father, the devil. So sometimes you've got to be kind. Excuse me, sometimes you've got to be cruel. Let me just rephrase that. Sometimes you've got to be cruel to be kind. But if you're going to be cruel to be kind, make sure you are doing it through the Holy Spirit not your own stinking flesh. But here Paul has arrived in Athens, the so-called world of academia, people like Plato and uh, Aristotle, all the great philosophers, going back uh, to probably pre-Alexander the Great. and Paul starts on the negative 23 for as i passed by and beheld your devotions i found an altar with this inscription to the unknown god whom therefore ye ignorantly worship him declare i unto you now when i read this some weeks ago in anticipation for recording throughout the apostles i thought to myself how am i going to explain this you've got paul a saved jew arriving in athens filled with wickedness it says how his spirit was grieved how he was pressed in the spirit idolatry all over the place and paul finds a plaque he finds an altar with this inscription to the unknown god singular so ask yourself this is paul addressing a group of monotheists Whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, Him declare I unto you. You are worshipping this unknown God in ignorance. Him declare I unto you. Now here's the problem. If we are to read that verse, and if we are to listen to people from the ecumenical movement who would have you believe that Muslims who worship Allah, are worshipping Jehovah in ignorance, then we've got a problem. Because you would have thought that when Paul arrived in Athens and he finds this altar, he finds this inscription concerning the unknown God, and uh, Allah is very unknowable, incidentally, you would have thought to yourself, wouldn't Paul have said that What you're doing is unacceptable. There is only one God, and therefore you are worshipping gods that you've created in your own image. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, public services, so on and so forth, I found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God, uppercase. Whom, therefore, ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. I think Paul was being diplomatic here because Paul would tell us in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 how there are many gods, lowercase g, and many lords, lowercase l, but to us there is one Lord. To us there is one God. He would also tell you that pagans would be worshipping devils. And that concerns the Lord's communion, the Lord's table, of course. So I think to myself, Paul is being somewhat diplomatic. He has found a group of what appears to be monotheists worshipping the God, the unknown God. And he says, you are worshipping him in ignorance. Him declare unto you. But I'm still somewhat uh, perplexed as to Paul's approach. Now, I'm not going to criticise him. Uh, you know, I'm not an apostle. I wasn't commissioned to be an apostle. I wasn't so shown the third heaven. In fact, as a quick footnote before I get back to this, Paul was shown the Antichrist. But John the Apostle was shown the false prophet, which goes back to my earlier statement about... Uh, certain people liking the sound of their own voices certain people speaking about different things and simply wanting to draw attention to themselves which also goes back to the fact that the lord isn't going to reveal everything to just one person which reflects the truth that the body of christ is very diverse as well but i don't get off script too much let me read on and i may come back to Twenty-three. Look at verse 24, please. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Out goes evolution. Incidentally. Neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. Out goes the Eucharist as well. And I'll explain that in a moment. And hath made one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth. Whatever your colour, race, or background is, he made you, and you are made in his image. And hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of bound the habitation. Wherever you live, you are there for a purpose. And that's why you were told in Romans 13, how the powers that be are ordained of God. So you need to be content whether you live in the world. That they should seek the Lord, if happy they might feel after him and find him, now you be not far from any one of us. So it's possible that everybody can be saved, which as far as I'm concerned, rules out Calvinism as well. And I will explain that as we go on. in him we live and move and have our being we're all physical descendants of adam but we're not sons of god until we are born again a certain also of your own poets have said for we are also his offspring but it's not enough to be his physical offspring it's not enough to be a child of adam you must be born again for as much then as we are the offspring of god we ought not to think that the godhead trinity is like under gold or silver or stone graven by art a man's device don't even try and picture him I don't like people that draw pictures of the Lord Jesus Christ Uh, Almighty God cannot be pictured and if you think you can visualize what he looks like you've already fallen foul you are guilty of creating an image in the times of this ignorance, God winked at, he overlooked. But now, commandeth all men, everywhere, to repent. Once again, this completely rules out evolution, on the one hand. This rules out the Eucharist, on the other hand. This rules out limited atonements as well. Because he point of a day, probably the great white throne judgment, in the which he would judge the world in righteousness. On top of that, when the Lord hung on the cross back, on th- back in 30 AD, he took all the world's sins upon himself. By that man whom he hath ordained, chosen, commissioned, anointed, that's what Christ means, the anointed one, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, not just some, but all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. these verses together and what do you get we get evolution ruled out and that includes theistic evolution as well you get the eucharist ruled out because you were told in 25 neither is worshipped with men's hands the catholic priest believes that when he holds the wafer up and he says the body of christ they ring the bell the altar boy that is and i should know i I was an altar boy before i was saved they ring the bell and they believe that the moment the priest holds the wafer up that it becomes the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he holds the chalice up with the wine, that that also becomes uh, part of Christ. It becomes his literal blood. And they genuflect, they go down on their knees because they believe that the, uh, the bread has become flesh and the wine has become blood, and they consume it. And that becomes their deity. And yet here Paul is saying, no, no, no. Neither is worshipped with men's hands. And he builds on that uh, also from this piece of scripture. In fact, I think it's also found in the previous verses, but I'll come back to that. Uh, And it's made of one blood, all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth. As I say, wherever you are, whoever you are, you are a reflection of God's nature, but that won't save you in and of itself. That they should seek the Lord. That goes back to what I said a few moments ago. You have to appropriate the atonement. Save yourselves from this untoward generation. What does that mean? It means to believe on the Lord, trust Him. That they should seek the Lord. Everybody has the, the uh, potential to seek the Lord. If happily they might feel after Him and find Him, how can that be? He be not far from every one of us he's not far from every one of us finally live and move and have our being so you've got evolution ruled out because paul told you from 24 that god made the world and all things therein you've got the eucharist ruled out 25 neither is worshipped with men's hands and you've got uh unlimited atonement ruled out because you were told that if you seek the Lord, you will find him, though he be not far from every one of us. Freedom we live and move. 28, and have our being a certain also of your own poets have said, even quotes, unsafe philosophers, for we are also his offspring. Told that God is unimaginable therefore don't even try to visualize him don't even try to paint him or draw him but 1331 and the times of this ignorance God winked at completely overlooks uh, because he's gracious he's merciful he's long suffering so and so forth but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest a prophets, how often would I have gathered thy children together, but thou wouldest not come to me. How often, not just occasionally, but how often I would have gathered your children as a hen gathers her chickens. I wanted to gather you under my wings. I wanted to embrace you. I wanted to look after you. But ye would Not come. It says how man won't come in order to be saved. Not that he cannot come, but that he will not come in order to be saved. And you wouldn't have thought, would you, in these verses, that you'd be seeing evolution pretty much dismantled, that the Eucharist would be dismantled, and that limited atonement would be also presented to the reader. But God commands all men everywhere to repent. Change your mind. Line up with the Word of God. Because he hath appointed a day in which he would judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. Great white throne for the unsaved and for those of us which are saved. We were judged at Calvary concerning our salvation but of course we will be judged for our works at the judgment seats of the Lord Jesus Christ and one last time we were shown very clearly from 25 how the Eucharist is an empty worthless aspect of Roman Catholicism you can't create God God creates you and he gives you everlasting life if you're saved jump over to Acts 18 verse 5 please and when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirits and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. When I got saved, I witnessed to my Catholic friends and family about the Lord Jesus Christ. When a Jew gets saved, he witnesses to his friends and family about the Lord Jesus Christ. When a Muslim gets saved, he witnesses to his friends about the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you came from a non-faith background, witness to your friends and family, witness to your neighbours, Try and get a legacy if you can. And if you're shy, go online. Witness online. Post comments on people's videos or leave comments on uh, websites which allow you to leave comments on. There's always something that you can do. Look at verse 6, please. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood. upon your own heads i'm clean henceforth i will go unto the gentiles i think that for those of us which are saved we are responsible to those that are not saved we are responsible to at least warn people that they need to be saved we don't get people saved that's the role of the holy ghost but it's our job to witness to people about the lord jesus christ and here paul knows that he going to be responsible for this group of unbelieving jews and therefore he says i'm clean you can't criticize me he's saying i've done my duty from henceforth i will go unto the gentiles so we are very much accountable as saved people to the lord we are going to be accountable to those that we know to be unsaved like that chap on the plane many years ago going on about his love of food and wine and photographing church buildings, and yet he had the entire aeroplane, it would seem, you know, captive. And he could have preached the gospel and nobody was going anywhere. But he said, no, I'm gonna talk about myself. Well, I put it to you that he's gonna be uh, castigated if he's saved at the judgment seat, and if he's not saved, Great white throne judgment for him. But we are going to be held accountable for what we did after we were saved. Look at seven, please. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. Like Peter's house from Mark chapter 1. I think Peter's house was pretty much right next door to the synagogue. Eight and Crispus. The chief ruler of the synagogue believed in the lord with all his house and many of the corinthians hearing believed and baptized sola fide reformers would refer to this as being meaning faith alone no works and again if you can get that down you will never stumble on top of that you will never doubt your salvation many believed and were then baptized it's like the Philippian jailer, once again. And with the jailer, there's no reference of him speaking in tongues. Did you notice that? And here, the Corinthians have believed and have gone on to be baptized, and also no reference to anybody speaking in tongues. Look at 24, please. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus, Here's a picture of a Sabbath keeper. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he probably tithes as well. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, Old Covenants, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, picture of New Covenant believers, they took him unto them, and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Personal discipleship, of course. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who, when he was come, helped them much, which have believed through grace. The just should live by faith. For by grace are you saved by faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For he might convinced the Jews and that publicly, shown by the Scriptures, Jewish Tanakh, and for us today, King James, that Jesus was Christ, that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was a Saviour of the world. So there you are, a picture of a saved Jew who's still, who's still keeping the Sabbath, who's still tithing, and tithing isn't for today. day, uh, the Sabbath is not for today. Uh, and I spent many messages trying to explain this to people. But the key phrase to end this message with is 27, how he helped those that uh, had come to faith through grace. They believed. Through grace and he was able to convince the jews through the local synagogue and that publicly he wasn't ashamed shown by the scriptures apologetics of course that jesus was christ so there you are three chapters from Acts of the apostles from a somewhat windswept location it is bitterly cold here you wouldn't believe how cold it is it was three degrees celsius when i first got here and with the wind Chill. It's about zero, I would imagine. But you know me. If I start something, I try to finish it. Uh, so I think just a very brief, quick recap. You've got Paul and Luke heading off to worship, probably on the Sabbath, because they were saved Jews. Whereas you're not a saved Jew. Well, if you are a saved Jew, fair enough. But the chances are, most you watch this video are saved gentiles and yes i know there are saved jews that watch my videos and uh praise the lord for you but i guess most of you are saved gentiles and therefore the sabbath isn't for you or for me the sabbath according to nehemiah 9 was given to the children of israel now if we are saved we worship the lord on the lord's day i know we do at our ministry because the lord came up out of the tomb on the first day of the week which is a sunday the holy ghost came on the church on the day of Pentecost which is the first day of the week which is Sunday and Acts 20 which I'll get to probably the week after next speaks about the early church meeting on the first day of the week being Sunday 1 Corinthians 16 speaks about their collection uh, taking place on the first day of the week being Sunday okay we are New Testament Christians we are under the we are under the New Covenant not the Old Covenant so when it speaks about Paul and co, heading off to pray, to worship. Yes, they're gonna keep the Sabbath because they are Jews. And on top of that, they're gonna witness the Jews in the local synagogue about the Messiah. And they come across this young girl with an unclean spirit. And this young girl has been following them around for many days. Like I said, I've had some strange uh, experiences. In fact, a couple of years ago, I was in a place called Leeds and just arrived. And this guy came over to me. And he was cursing me, he was swearing at me, he was insulting me, he was pretty much screaming at me. And uh, you've got to keep your calm when that kind of thing happens. And uh, he was trying to provoke me to do something unordinary, you know, unexpected I suppose. And I didn't rise to it and I told him to get away from me and there was a police officer about 30 yards in front of me and I walked over to the police officer and he got the idea and he got the gist he realized i wasn't going to be provoked by his demonic attacks and he walked away and this woman came over to me this elderly woman in a electric wheelchair and she said to me i've been you know watching that man attacking you verbally and i want to commend you for keeping your cool turned out she was a christian and i thanked her for her concern but i've had so many accounts i've just given you two that guy in the train some years ago that was very bizarre guy in leeds a couple of years ago Uh, Too many accounts to recall this morning, but this woman, this young girl, has an interest in Paul and Luke. And after some days of following them around, somewhat becoming a bit of a nuisance, Paul, with the authority of the Holy Ghost being grieved, turns to the spirit, not the girl, and commands the spirit in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and the spirit came at the same hour, and the spirit, again, is referred to in the masculine, because spirits are masculine. The devil is referred to as being masculine, and the devil is a counterfeit of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Christ was, what, 33 when he died? I think it's fair to say the Antichrist will be the same age when he arrives on the earth. That's why this pope is far too old to even be considered a possible contender for the Antichrist. Uh, for the the office of the Antichrist, along with Obama. They're both too old, and both, as far as we can see, are going to be leaving office soon anyway. 25 down to uh, 34, Paul and Silas have been detained. They're praying, rejoicing. You were told to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. It's about midnight, and the prisoners are hearing this prayer service. And no doubt the jailer as well. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, 26, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. When I went through this, some weeks ago, took the view that, and this is my own private view, you don't have to accept it, but I took the view that that earthquake was so vast that the walls literally came crashing down, the bars fell off the walls, the stocks were loosed from their feet and hands that the damage would have been just vast. And I took the view that to avoid the uh, Philippian jailer being punished as a result of that, not only did the Lord stop the prisoners from escaping because that jailer was going to get saved along with his family, but I took the view that the following day, the jailer knew that he'd have to give an account to his superiors concerning all the damage that had been done. And the Lord's good mercy and grace put the walls back up. Put the bars back on their wall now that's just my own private hypothesis don't quote me on that but that's what i think happened and he realizes that if anybody's escaped he's going to be killed and he comes uh, trembling which is a picture of repentance you should tremble he runs in and he says to the apostles "Sirs, what must i do to be saved and they say believe on the lord jesus christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house in other words if you all believe on the Lord Jesus Christ you can be saved and kept saved and that goes on to uh, result in a man and his family being saved and just a man and his family being saved the prisoners as far as we know were never saved 1722 down to uh, 31 Paul is preaching at Mars Hill probably the Vatican of his day or the Vatican of, of its day And he would have had a great audience of people listening to this man preach. And that's why I think we as men, if you're a brother in the Lord, should street preach. And if you haven't tried it, try it. You might have the gift. You won't know until you've tried. And he takes the Eucharist apart. He takes evolution apart. He takes the tulip apart. And he ends 30, but now, concerning God, Commands, not a suggestion. It's an order. All men and women everywhere to repent. Change your mind, be sorry for who you are and what you are. Because he God hath appointed a day in the which he would judge the world in righteousness. By that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. Put your faith in that and you will be saved. 18.5, down to uh, 7 and 8. Paul makes it clear that he was responsible to preach the gospel, as are you, and he would be responsible for their blood had he not preached to the Jews and the Gentiles, as were you and I if we don't preach to Jews and Gentiles, everyday people, of course. Sola Fide is upheld once again, 18.8. And 18, 24 to 28, you get a picture of a good man, Apollos, who needs to be discipled. He's not quite there. He's still keeping the Sabbath. He's still tithing. And this couple, Aquila and Priscilla, take him aside, help him out, and he literally becomes a New Testament saved man. There you are, that's all. And I will sign out and uh, get warm. And I wish you a blessing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll just jump out of camera shot one quick time, if I may, as my battery is about to cut out. And for those of you which are interested in locations that I shoot my videos from, I will just really quickly show you uh, what this location looks like. i got about 30 seconds left before my battery cuts out. And you may remember this location from last spring, when I did my Black Magic video from here. And uh, it's somewhat beautiful, and uh, still very cold, as I keep saying. And that is the road which, if you haven't seen it before, takes me to my open air pulpit. Just a very quick PS, if I may, concerning the text about the unknown God and how Paul says he was going to reveal the one true God to that group of unsaved, ignorant, superstitious Gentiles. The main theme of the apostles, if you miss it, is progressive revelation, which means that the Lord is revealing different truths to different people over different periods of time. Now, I'm not going to stand in this morning and say that Paul wasn't aware that Jehovah can only be worshipped in spirit and in truth, because he would have been aware of that, of course. But for that event from Acts 17, that was only relevant to Paul. Now, we know, as Bible believers, that Muslims don't worship the one true God of the Bible. They worship another God who is completely foreign to Scripture. And therefore, we shouldn't be looking at Muslims and saying, They are okay, because they're not. They need to be saved like you and I needed to be saved. The same is true of Catholics that worship Mary. And yes, they do worship Mary. In a future message, I'm going to speak about Mary. And we shouldn't be saying to ourselves, that's okay. They are worshipping Mary in ignorance, and therefore they can do as they please. In other words, the Lord is going to receive pleasure as a result of worshipping Mary. No, that is incorrect. And that's why Paul told them that God wants them to repent. In other words, it's not acceptable to worship gods or God in ignorance or in a superficial manner. You've got to worship Him in spirit and in truth, and you can't do that until you are born again. So be very careful when you read that scripture from Acts 17. I know the ecumenical movements are uh, good at quoting that to somehow suggest it's okay for Muslims to do what they do. No, they need to be born again as well. But I'm just thinking to myself, before I sign out this final clip from this message, that Paul was probably dealing with the light that he had at that point in his ministry. As I said at the uh, commencement from Acts 17, when Paul would write 1 Corinthians 8, he told you that the world worshipped gods and lords which are devils. But in Acts 17 he's dealing with those in athens those in greece and he's also trying to be diplomatic as well so to be fair to him he's got a a fine line to walk but for those of us which are saved today we need to realize that muslims are lost pre their salvation as are jews as well and we love the jews this ministry we love israel you know we don't have any qualms with anybody but without christ they are lost and that's why Jesus said, unless you believe I am, you will die in your sins. So just a final wrap-up to my thoughts on Acts 17. If you want to have more material, if you want to get more meat from Acts 16, go to our website. I think I spent three weeks going through Acts 16, which resulted in a 90-minute Bible study. And Acts 17, I think, was done in two weeks, As was Acts 18 so on average I'm doing about two to three weeks per chapter but to come up to a location such as this I am somewhat battling the elements so hopefully you've been able to persevere with me and I say it's bitterly cold there was snow yesterday and there's snow I think in the air right now so praise the Lord I was able to do this video and uh, give God the glory for that I know I certainly do and uh, keep Read your Bibles, bless the Lord and all that you do for him. Rest in his finished work. And as I say, please don't get caught up with all this hysteria of an April rapture and a uh, revelation to the world or display to the world or the uh, the, uh, Antichrist's uh, announcement to the world in May. Don't believe it. Uh, You were told in Scripture to look for the Lord Jesus Christ, not the Antichrist. But anyway, I'm out of time and that's all I wanted to say. So that's all. Bless you all again and I'll speak to you soon.